0: When's the last time you were able to network with your peers in the healthcare industry? Well, now is your chance. Join us this April with over a 1,000 executives at Becker's 13th annual meeting to hear C-suite discussions around consumerism, the nursing workforce, value-based care, and a lot more. You can register using the link in the description. We hope to see you there. This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Dr. Andy Biedman, Executive Vice President and Chief Medical Officer at Kaiser Permanente. Dr. Bideman, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm uh, really looking forward to speaking with you.
0: Now, I know we have a lot to talk about. There's so much happening in healthcare and really a lot of exciting things that Kaiser Permanente is doing right now. But before we dive into my questions, can you tell me a little bit more about yourself and your background?
1: Oh, sure. Thanks. Yeah. So, um, as you mentioned, I'm the executive vice president and chief medical officer for Kaiser Permanente. Uh, in my role, I'm responsible for really driving on superior quality and equitable health outcomes, uh, which we deliver through the integration of uh, quality innovation, uh, care delivery, and research. And this is all really a uh, uh, with the goal in mind of supporting uh, our 12.6 million uh, members at Kaiser Permanente. Uh, Prior to joining Kaiser Permanente, I was on the faculty at the University of California uh, at San Francisco, UCSF, where um, I was practicing and teaching uh, clinical medicine while also conducting research on healthcare access and outcomes. Um, I also have had the great opportunity to uh, be a part of uh, several roles within the federal government. Um, I was a policy fellow on the House Energy and Commerce Committee during the uh, drafting of the Affordable Care Act, and then I was ultimately a senior advisor at uh, Health and Human Services, where I was involved in implementing uh, that important uh, law, and uh, subsequently served as the director for the Agency for Healthcare Research and Quality, AHRQ, where uh, I was responsible for using Data and analytics uh, to improve healthcare quality and safety uh, throughout the United States. So um, I've been very fortunate. I'm a general internist. I got my medical degree from Mount Sinai School of Medicine and uh, then did my training uh, at UCSF uh, uh, in uh, internal medicine.
0: Wow. that's a fascinating career journey. And you know, when you graduated from medical school and went in to start practicing internal medicine, did you ever think you would have such a sprawling career that included federal government appointments and time at UCFS researching and now at Kaiser Permanente really overseeing a huge organization in the clinicians there, I guess, how did you really imagine that would go when you first graduated?
1: Well, of course, it's hard to totally predict all the things that are going to come up along the way, but uh... Something that was really uh, foundational in my early career. Um, I first came to UCSF. It was uh, 1985. It was the beginning of the HIV epidemic. And so I was exposed quite early on in my training to uh, the interface of medicine and public health and dealing with an epidemic. And, of course, I've had that experience, uh, again, uh, in a a somewhat different way, but, of course, with COVID and much of... uh, my time at Kaiser Permanente has also been very focused on um, how we integrate uh, the role of a healthcare delivery system with public health to really maximize uh, outcomes uh, for uh, our patients and our, and our members. But uh, I've been very fortunate because of uh, some of these circumstances uh, to be in a position to uh, really see uh, how uh, patients who are most vulnerable are impacted uh, by some of these uh, pandemics and so forth, and um, I think that prepared me to uh, try to be uh, a useful contributor uh, in some of these discussions uh, through uh, federal laws and implementing uh, those things as well. So uh, I've been just really pleased uh, to be able to contribute in these different ways, and it has made for an interesting career and Coming to Kaiser Permanente has really been a capstone for me because, um, you know, the focus on population health and using resources to maximize uh, health outcomes for our members is so much uh, into the fabric of the organization, as well as the focus on equity. So those were factors that really attracted me to come to uh, KP at this point in my career, and I've not been disappointed.
0: That's amazing to hear. And I am really excited to talk with you more about what you're doing at KP. So, what are some of the biggest issues that you're following in healthcare today? And how are you thinking about those things headed into the rest of this year?
1: Uh, so, really, one of the big issues that attracted me to KP was really thinking about how we bring about, I think, a needed shift in quality reporting and how we measure and report on healthcare quality. As I was considering this opportunity, I had a chance to engage with our CEO, Greg Adams, who I know believes very strongly in the importance of this. Um, you know, really at Kaiser Permanente, we just think it's an important time to rethink um, uh, how we are approaching quality measurement. Um, and we're, we're really trying to lead this movement. By shifting toward um, outcome measures, you know, there's we, we've, we've grown tremendously in our capacity to measure healthcare, care, but often it's been in um, uh, more segmented processes, whereas our patients really have a tremendous interest in understanding the outcomes that are achieved uh, through the care that we provide and, um, you know, in terms of making this shift, it's also important for us to understand that, um, you know, the role that social factors uh, play in health outcomes. So um, when I was considering this role and now in this role, we are really um, trying to uh, not just call for a change in um, moving toward uh, health outcome measurement and focusing on social factors, but really trying to lead by example. Uh, So, we're already implementing methods uh, to routinely uh, measure health outcomes for significant clinical conditions like cardiovascular disease and cancer, uh, mental health and wellness, maternal health, and we're really building our capacity to sort and analyze care outcomes uh, by equity dimensions such as race and ethnicity. We're also integrating assessments of our members' social uh, health needs directly into the electronic health record, which is both uh, providing us with a source of information to help us understand our population, but also, very importantly, enabling our clinicians to connect uh, that information and ultimately connect our members to community resources to address the social needs uh, that can ultimately lead to uh, improvements in their health outcomes.
0: That's fantastic. And it sounds like so much great work is being done, especially for those communities who need it most and really are able to access care um, in, in a way that they weren't able to before. Now, when you look at the future, what makes you excited and what makes you nervous?
1: Well. What makes me excited is that I think um, what we're doing at KP is, in fact, having ripple effects throughout uh, the ecosystem. So I'm excited to see movement in the right direction from organizations like the National Committee for Quality Assurance, NCQA, who recently announced that uh, social needs screening and intervention will be a quality measure within uh, HEDIS for measurement year uh, 2023. Uh, this really gives me hope and excitement that uh, we are that, um, that the healthcare community as a whole is really recognizing the need to focus on equity and social factors, and that we're you know, making a difference in trying to transform uh, how we uh, measure quality. But you know, we we we—it's not enough just to sort of uh, all start to move in our own way uh, toward this. I'm a little bit you know concerned, or that I think we need to uh, create the alignment necessary to make sure we don't do this in a piecemeal way. Um, I think it's important that our efforts make this transformation, if we're gonna really make an impact, for example, on equity, to make sure that all of our regulators and key stakeholders and so forth across the healthcare system align on um, the types of data that we'll be collecting uh, related to uh, social factors, social care, and to do it in a very consistent way uh, we need to develop and adopt common standards and definitions for race, ethnicity, and other social characteristics and risk factors uh, so that we don't have um, uh, we don't get uh, overburdened with different ways of trying to measure the same thing and undermine our ability to communicate effectively with one another, to benchmark effectively, to learn together, uh, to help us really rapidly, Uh, make an impact um, in in a meaningful way to address uh, inequities over time. So, you know, I'm quite um, hopeful about the direction that we're headed, but uh, we need to make sure that we all align on a common language so that we can really maximize our efforts uh, together.
0: Absolutely. I think that makes a lot of sense and definitely having that common language and, and those common goals and understanding of what you're talking about, what you're working for. I can imagine really makes a big difference, and it sounds like today more than ever, you've got the ability to collect information and use information and process it too in a way that is, you know, just we wouldn't have been able to in the past because of technology advancements. So it seems like um, Kaiser Permanente has a lot of that digital transformation and is on the forefront of being able to do that and use it effectively to work with their communities and, and patients, um, which is really, really impressive
1: yeah I think we are really fortunate um, because of our integrated system we do have multiple touch points in which to uh, gather this information we put tremendous effort into curating the information we collect so that it remains up to date and accurate and I think most importantly uh, what I touched on earlier that we don't just collect this information for information's sake but are really using it to uh, connect to an action step so that when we identify for example someone who has a social need uh, food insecurity or um, housing instability and so forth that we have um, built into our electronic systems ways of connecting our um, members and uh, for our providers to be able to be a part of that of connecting our members to resources in the community that can really help to address the problems that are being uncovered so I think that's going to be a a key aspect of it is that we have consistent ways of measuring but turning our measurements into action steps and I'm I'm really proud of the work that's gone on at KP in this regard as as we continue to uh, build this out uh, across our enterprise
0: that's fantastic to hear. Now, Dr. Beinman, I know we've talked a lot about how healthcare is changing, the way it's evolving, in the different capabilities that you have now. I can imagine it'll just continue to accelerate that change in the future. What do you think most uh, healthcare leaders will need in order to be effective and successful over the next two to three years as the healthcare system changes?
1: Yeah, great question. So, you know, I, as I as we've been talking about here. I think it's going to be really important, number one, to focus on outcomes that matter to patients. And, you know, those things are affordability, clinical quality, and care experience. And we are laser focused on these issues uh, at KP. And, uh, you know, so these are, are, are critical, uh, we know, for, for patients. And we want to be able to have transparency and be able to demonstrate that we are delivering those outcomes for them. Second, I think, you know, something we haven't talked as much about, but I think uh, is well understood is um, we're coming out of a very difficult period in uh, uh, coming out of COVID. Hopefully, um, our wor- those worst days are behind us, uh, but, um, you know, we're still seeing um, enormous uh, impact on our healthcare professionals. And I think it's really important at this time for all of us to uh, support and uh, help to inspire our clinicians to regain the joy that they seek in their work. Um, I think uh, there was a lot of uh, social isolation, a lot of uh, uh, challenges that came up related to uh, COVID. And uh, I mean, I know how much uh, the, the, the mission and the drive that our clinicians have at KP, but we all need to come back together and really make sure we support and inspire clinicians uh, to make them uh again able to find the joy that they uh, seek in their work and then finally i guess what i'd say is um it's it's critical at this time it's critical at all times but uh, i think we've become more aware that we need to all be actively um, listening uh, and including diverse voices as a means to learn how we can improve care going forward Um, you know no one person no one group has all the answers And I have found in all of my work throughout my career that uh, uh, being inclusive, listening to diverse voices always leads to um, better uh, outcomes. And so I hope we're all in a position to create environments uh, that, that do that. And I feel so lucky that at KP, that is so built into the fabric of my workspace. So thanks very much.
0: Dr. Byneman, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. This has been a really fun and informative discussion, and I look forward to connecting with you again soon.
1: Same for me. Thank you so much, for the chance to chat with you.